0: What's going on everyone and welcome in to Plazone's podcast filled with glitchy analysis and takes so freezing cold that they're boiling hot. Today's podcast is proudly sponsored by Hungry Howie's Baton Rouge. Check out their website for online deals for both takeout and delivery. Right now, they've got an amazing deal. Get a large one topping pizza for just 7 dollars Thank you so much to Hungry Howie's Baton Rouge. And in today's show, we are going to cover last night's news today, we are going to cover just a team that I just, mwah, I love. They're a chef's kiss. We're also going to talk about some new MVP candidates in my NBA MVP list. We've got two, all right? That's Dose. Next up, we've got Plazont Locks. Yesterday was an okay day, but we're going to get the ship back on track today. And last but not least, we are going to continue on our list of the NBA top 100 players of all time. So let's get started with last night's news today. First up, the Jets versus the Bills. The Bills beat the Jets yesterday 20-12. Now, this wasn't a remarkable game. A lot of defense, a lot of sloppy offense. But I came to one crucial conclusion that I thought I would share with everyone, and that's that the Jets are not making the playoffs. There's there's just not a good enough quarterback there in New York right now. Mike White is not the guy. Joe Flacco is not the guy. And Zach Wilson most definitely is not that guy. Look, on their schedule for the rest of the season, they play the Lions the Seahawks, the Dolphins, and the Jags. Now, that doesn't sound like a really threatening schedule, but when you have just the slimmest margin of error to make the playoffs, you have to win basically at least three, if not four, of those games. I don't think they can do that. Now, this to me is a wasted season for the New York Jets. You have so much young talent. You have a phenomenal defense, but yet you're going to miss the playoffs. This reminds me of a lesser 49ers team over the last four years. The 49ers on defense and their skill positions are stacked to the brim. You got Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, the number one scoring defense over the last 11 weeks. And yet, they're probably not going to get to a Super Bowl. Just like the last few years, their quarterback play has been the difference maker in why the 49ers have not made the Super Bowl. Same here. The Jets are just a lesser version of that. They're not going to make the playoffs because of their quarterback play. It is time for the Jets to either sign somebody in free agency or draft someone. And and guess who I think that they should sign in free agency? None other than their 2014 second overall pick, Geno Smith. Bring him back, baby. He looks amazing. And I think he can run that offense to a T. I'd love to see Geno Smith back in New York on the big stage. So let's see that happen. Make it happen. I'm going to speak it into existence. Geno Smith to the Jets. Next up, we had the Jaguars versus the Titans, and there were just a couple of notes that I wanted to talk about here. This was kind of a flute game. There were four Titans turnovers compared to Jacksonville's zero. Now, that's not going to happen again for a very, very long time, but I think the Titans might lose control of this division. The Titans play the Chargers, the Cowboys, and the Jags to finish up this season, and they might finish 8-9. Now, the Jags they got a huge upset this weekend, but they're going to need another one this next weekend to have a shot at winning the AFC South. And that's versus the Cowboys, who almost lost to the Texans. So maybe there's something going on here. But I, like I said, it, the this, chances of that happening are pretty small. I don't think the Titans will choke this away, but I'm putting this on slight upset alert for the Jags to come back from 5-8 and eight to win the division and go either 9-8 and eight, We're 8-9 and and have a tiebreaker with the Titans. Our third game of the day is the Dolphins versus the Chargers. All right? We had back-to-back weeks where Tua has been absolutely exposed. The man was 10 of 28 from the field. He had one massive bomb to Tyreek Hill for 60 yards. Outside of that, he had 90 yards passing. Pathetic. Horrible play. I don't know whether to blame it on him or Mike McDaniel. But now that we've seen this in back-to-back weeks, it's clear to me. Tua does not play well against good defenses. Tua does not outshine similar quarterback comparisons. And the Dolphins will be eliminated either in the first or the second round of the playoffs this year. They might get a matchup with the Titans in the first round, and I think they'll beat them. But when it comes to playing Buffalo, Kansas City, the Chargers, Cincinnati, or Baltimore, they don't stand a chance in my opinion. Their defenses are too good or their quarterbacks are too good. The media was just talking about this past week if Tua or Justin Herbert was better this season. Now, yes, the Dolphins have a better record, but we have to look at more than that. The Dolphins also have a much better defense. The Dolphins have also had healthy skill position players. Keenan Allen has missed the majority of this season for the Chargers, okay? Justin Herbert is a top-five quarterback. Tua, in my opinion, is not there. He's not even top ten. He's had a hell of a year, but that has nothing to do with him changing some style of play. This has to do with Mike McDaniel making it so unbelievably easy for Tua to get the ball into the hands of Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. Combining that run game with those two wide receivers, RPOs, the play-action passes, they're so unbelievably dynamic. It is phenomenal in my opinion. I think Mike McDaniel is the coach of the year. Tua is definitely not even close to reaching like MVP caliber. I don't even think he's sniffing something like that. Not a top 10 quarterback in my mind. Dolphins at risk for not even making it to the AFC Championship game. And the last game that I wanted to talk about is going to be my team spotlight that I talked about earlier. And that was the Lions versus the Vikings. Everybody was talking about how in the world the 5-7 Lions were a two-point favorite versus the 10-2 Vikings. But they proved why this weekend. Jared Goff looks like an MVP candidate when he's playing at home. He had 330 yards. Three touchdowns, no picks, 69% completion percentage. This is by far the easiest team to love, in my opinion. I mean, look, you've got all these different storylines. You've got Jared Goff, the rejected ex, who's now putting the pieces back together after he's been dismissed from the Rams, who won a Super Bowl after trading him. You've got Jamal Williams, who's probably the quirkiest player in the NFL, but it works, and he's the heartbeat of this team. He leads the league. The entire NFL in total touchdowns scored. He's averaging over a touchdown a game. And this is supposed to be the Lions' backup running back. And he's a goal line threat every single time. I love his pass blocking ability as well. And not to mention, he's a pretty good screen back. I love the DeAndre Swift-Jamal Williams combo. It's dynamic. Now, look at let's look at the defensive side. You've got Aiden Hutchinson. He's playing for his home state. He just got done beating Ohio State at Michigan. Now he's the second overall pick, but people are still counting him out, calling him one of the bigger bust potential players in this draft, and he is proving it wrong. He played phenomenal against the Vikings this past weekend. Had a massive sack on Kirk Cousins in the third quarter. Loved his play. I think he is potentially a top-five defensive player from this draft and he's just proving all of his doubters wrong. Speaking of proving his doubters wrong, Jeff Okuda is actually making a solid comeback. Last year, he tore his Achilles, but this is a pretty good bounce back here from somebody coming off an Achilles injury. He looked like an absolute bust last year before he tore his Achilles. And yesterday, he played solid coverage against Justin Jefferson and the other Vikings threats. Not to mention, did anybody notice that TJ Hawkinson didn't end up Having that big of a impactful game against the Lions. And the Lions' tight end play is not terrible. Maybe he was being elevated in a system that supports tight ends. And maybe he's not that good. But maybe that's just a, a freezing cold take. It's boiling hot. And last but not least on this amazing team that I just can't get enough of, you've got Dan Campbell. This man sleeps, eats, and breathes football. I would honestly not be surprised if he had, like, a football outfit. Like, I'm talking, like, a top and shorts in the shape of a football. I can't believe how much this man loves the game. He is fighting for his job. He's fighting for his team. He's fighting for a chance at the playoffs. And every single week, he takes the time to say, we're taking this week by week. There's no looking forward to the future. He might get fired after the end of this year. He doesn't care. He just wants to play ball. And I love it. I love this Lions team. I hope that they make the playoffs. If I had a choice of any team to make the playoffs this year, it's the Detroit Lions. Love this Lions team. Let's get into my two new MVP candidates. Okay, I've got Giannis, Steph Curry, and Luka Doncic as my three main MVP candidates just because they met the criteria. If you want to take a look at that, Go back and listen to episode 13 on my MVP candidates, okay? Two new candidates being added into the mix, Joel Embiid. And the reason that he's entering into my MVP candidate race is because he just dropped 53-12 and against the Hornets this weekend. He is averaging 33-10-5 on over 50% shooting this year. And more often than not, he's winning with or without James Harden, and or Tyrese Maxey. He's winning with just Harden on the floor or without Harden on the floor, with Maxey on the floor, or with Mac without Maxey on the floor. Or he's winning with them both on the floor, and he's winning without them both on the floor. It doesn't matter who joins Joel Embiid on the court. He is winning basketball games. I think if the 76ers can improve their record and get to a top three seed, Joel Embiid will definitely be in the MVP race for sure. Now let's talk about one more thing while I'm on the 76ers. You know who would be great on this team right now? Ben Simmons. They need just a slightly better push on the defensive end. And guess who could come off the bench and lead the second unit with his ball handling and his defense on their on opponents' primary offensive players? Ben Simmons. They miss him. Now Harden is a better fit for this team than Ben Simmons is, but If there was any kind of way that they could get him back, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I'm sure Philly fans would re-embrace him. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's just a crazy take, but I think that Ben Simmons would be good on this team. But more importantly, Joel Embiid, he's definitely in my MVP race right now. Now, probably the fifth player on my MVP candidate race list, maybe fourth, I think. Now, I take that back. We're going to go fifth. okay? Zion Williamson, who is now playing out of his mind, he is averaging 31-8-5 and five on 68% shooting. Almost 7 out of every 10 shots is going in the hoop. That is absolute insanity. And he's playing for a team that's on a 7-game win streak that has won 9 of their last 10 or 12 out of their last 14 and they've taken the number one seed. He's playing for that beloved New Orleans Pelicans team who just can't stay out of the spotlight. I love it. Their battle with the Suns this past weekend was phenomenal. And guess what? They dominated the Suns the the entire 48 minutes on Sunday's game. Love to hear it from Zion. Now, this team last year made some decent noise in the playoffs, taking the Suns to six games, but the Pelicans had to relearn how to play on this team with Zion on the floor. And they are definitely doing that well now. It seems like everything has clicked and the cylinders are starting to pump in the engine. I am loving what I'm seeing so far from the Pelicans. It seems like the fans, the front office, and the coaches are all hyping up and building Zion's success just to catapult him into superstardom. It reminds me a lot of Steph Curry in the early years of the Warriors' dynasty. He had a lot of injury concerns, but all of a sudden in 2013, Steph Curry exploded onto the scene. He showed everyone that he is one of the best players in the game. Now, it's going to take a couple of years for Zion to get into finals contention, but if he keeps playing like this, I guarantee you there's an MVP in his future. I think right now my list goes Zion, Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic, Giannis, and Steph Curry. That's my top five right now. Now, that being said, let's get into the best part of the show. It's what I dream about. It's what I live for. It's Pleasant's Locks. And we are going to rob Vegas today. We've got three bangers. I'm taking an underdog for once. I can't even believe I'm saying that. Let's get started. Patriots, minus two and a half versus the Cardinals. This is my first Monday night football lock, and I've never been more confident in an NFL pick in my entire life. This Cardinals team is terrible at home. They're 1-6, and and they lose their home games by 12 points apiece. Young quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, that is what Bill Belichick feasts on. It's like you're taking him to a buffet and just saying, pig out. Let Belichick eat him alive tonight. I think the Cardinals' defense is putrid. They have the worst scoring defense in the NFL right now, giving up 26.8 points per game. And I think the Patriots are going to have a huge running night tonight. Remind Stevenson, book him for 80-plus rushing yards and a touchdown. I can't think of anybody more to have a phenomenal game on Monday night football. The Patriots also have more motivation in this game. The Cardinals are out of the playoffs. It's over for them. The Patriots are fighting for one of those wild card seeds. And they're going to get that win tonight. And they're going to win by more than two and a half. Book it. Next up, we're moving into college basketball. Arizona State, my underdog, plus three versus Creighton. Creighton is a pretty good basketball team, but they are on a massive four-game skit. Lost the last four. They lost to BYU and they lost to Nebraska most recently. Arizona State has impressive wins over three Power 5 teams, something that Creighton cannot say. Arizona State is also much better defensively. They give up 10 points per game less than Creighton does. They take a higher percentage shot with their Giant forwards. And I think that Frankie Collins, their point guard, is one of the best distributors in the Pac-12. I think that Arizona State makes easy work of this Creighton team. Not going to be a problem. They're playing in a neutral site in Las Vegas. I like Arizona State, plus three. Last but not least, New Mexico, minus four. Now, I dug deep, deep into the stat sheets for this one. New Mexico was 9-0, and they are dominating lesser opponents. They're winning all all of their games, not just their lesser opponents, all of their games by 18 points per game. New Mexico shoots almost 50% of the floor, and they dish the ball around to create space for their big men down low. They are top 10 in the NCAA in points in the paint per game, and they are top 10 in getting to the line. One out of every four of New Mexico's points comes from the charity stripe. I love that stat. They're going to get hacked by an undisciplined San Francisco team who has lost two of their last four and has not performed well against good opponents. Opponents that are equal to their talent level. They just lost to Utah State in embarrassing fashion. I don't think San Francisco will recover from that. New Mexico gets this win and wins by more than four. And that's going to do it for Plazon Locks. If you have a lock, by the way, feel free to leave it in the comment section or DM me on Instagram or Twitter. At A-Plant 6. Last but not least for this phenomenal show. I mean, I've got to toot my own horn here. This is a banger episode. We're going to get into our NBA Top 100 list. Number 94, Chauncey Billups. Let's talk about the accolades. Five-time All-Star. One-time All-NBA Second Team. Two-time All-NBA Third Team. Two-time All-NBA Defensive Second Team. He's an NBA champion. Most importantly, a Finals MVP. Now, this... Is one of the longest tenured, historyed careers in NBA history among point guards. Okay, he is one of the best journeymen of all time in the NBA. He played for seven different NBA teams, most notably with that 2003 to 2006 Detroit Pistons team that dominated the mid 2000s in the Eastern Conference, including the Finals MVP that he won while the Pistons dethroned. Shaq and Kobe in the Los Angeles Lakers in 2004. Now, he was always more of a team-centric player and not an individual star. He never scored more than 20 points per game in a season. But he still played with great tandems. He played with wonderful players like Ben Wallace, Rip Hamilton, Carmelo Anthony. I mean, this guy was an asset on a team. I mean, for God's sakes, he won a finals MVP and he did it on the offensive floor, both scoring and passing and then he did it on the defensive end locking up players like Kobe Bryant I honestly think that this is one of the more underrated players in NBA history but I do think that there are 93 players better than him but congrats to Chauncey Billups for making this list and that is going to do it today for Pleasant's podcast thank you all so much for tuning in and we're going to see you all tomorrow